0: Hi, Kreutzau. Welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket podcast with me, Alan Rees Chivers. Today's episode, we'll see Jan Gray, a new member of our podcast team, talk to Prem Sosodia, the first Welsh born Asian cricketer to play for Glamorgan. Following that, there'll be a discussion between Stephen Hedges, myself and Jan about three Glamorgan Asian overseas players, Majid Khan, Javid Miandad, and Waka Eunice. My Club our Story this week will feature three Gwent cricketers who played alongside Edward Bevan at Lords in the Village Cup.
1: So we're here with Prem, who's the first Welsh-born Asian to play for Glamorgan. And we're going to ask a bit about his career, his you know, youth growing up playing cricket and about his thoughts on the Asian community and its relationship with cricket in general. So uh, Prem, hiya. How's it going mate, UK? First of all, how did you first get involved in cricket? Uh, Where was the first place you played? you know, what was your family's connection to it? I think it's pretty standard really with um, a lot of people. It's a similar story, but
2: I just started playing like in the garden and stuff with my old man. He was born in India and he played quite a lot of cricket himself. So, yeah, literally as soon as I was, as I was like, walking and stuff, just bought like a plastic bat or a foam bat or wherever it was. And I think I was about five or six and I was just able to like, hit the ball and throw the ball. And then I think from then onwards, got to about, I think I was seven when I first joined Cardiff Cricket Club.
1: And yeah, just gone from there, really. What was your connection to Cardiff Cricket Club?
2: When I first joined, they used to be like the most local club to me. I'm from Grangetown and they used to play at Sapphire Gardens. Um, but the year I joined, I'm pretty sure that's when they moved to the Diamond Ground in Witchurch. Okay. So I ended up joining, but then it still was about 20 minutes away from me. And then, yeah, just since then, played like for the under nines and stuff. And I was like eight, I think, seven or eight along with like Kira and a few other boys. And then, yeah, since then, just gone through the age groups here, really. Is there a strong link between Cardiff Cricket Club and Grangetown? When I joined, there wasn't that strong of a link. I think uh, more recently, it's becoming a bit more of a club that a lot of the Asian community are joining because there's quite a few boys from this area who play there now, like got myself, um, Mujahid, Obviously, he was on the scheme as well. You've got a few boys that played in second team, like Umar and Osama, who are also at Cardiff League Club. So, yeah, I think the link's, are like developing a bit more now.
1: Why do you think it's uh, increased and why do you think it didn't have a link beforehand?
2: I'm not too sure, mate, to be honest. A lot, there's obviously the Welsh Asians Club. So, a lot of boys from this area just joined there. Like, my old man used to play for him uh, a while ago when his knees were intact. Like, and then, yeah, I don't know, since then, I think after seeing a few of the boys do quite well through Cardiff and it being like a Premier League club and stuff, seeing a few boys do quite well in the first team there and being given opportunities from young, I think is, uh, it's quite a good club to join from there, really. Do you want to tell us a bit about the Welsh Adrian Club? Um, I personally don't know much, really. I know that... Um, my old man used to play there, and they play quite locally here. I'm not too sure why my parents picked Cardiff for me. That's just how it went, I think.
1: Why do you think, given the the the, the large Asian community, especially in Cardiff, and the historic link with cricket, why do you think it took so long for a Welsh-born Asian to play for Glamorgan?
2: I'm not too sure, mate, to be honest. like I don't know, it's quite... Um, It's obviously a massive commitment. Like, I was speaking to my parents about it when I first signed and stuff, even before I'd played. And it's like that day when you sign your first professional contract, it's like I come from a working class family. Like, the amount of commitment my parents had to put in and stuff. Like, I think when I went to the World Cup in January of 2018, my parents came out to New Zealand with me and my little sister. And that was the first. Time they've been away like as a family holiday since I don't know we went to India when I was like 11 so that's eight years after is the first time we've got a proper family holiday so it's just like that commitment from the family and stuff like it's obviously a time-consuming game isn't it like and it's also an expensive game as well like the kit doesn't come cheap and Going around on tours with like Wales age groups and stuff, you just have to pay for the hotels and all that. Like, it's just a massive, massive commitment. And I think luckily I've just had the opportunities to keep going with it. And luckily my family and my coaches and stuff have all been really supportive of me. Do you
1: think that um, the expense is a barrier to the Welsh Asian community, like getting involved in cricket, especially um. elite cricket?
2: I mean, I don't know if it's a barrier or not, but it's like it is a massive, massive commitment, and like it's tough. Especially like I can't speak on behalf of anyone else; I can only speak from my own experience. But um, like I remember, my dad in the winter, like he only he works in the Royal Mail, um, and the amount of hours he had to put in in the winter, he used to work like twelve-hour days and stuff just to be able to fund my summer and my parents' summer as well for them to be able to come along with me and watch me play games for, so like, Wales under-13s and stuff for them to be put up in, like, hotels as well. So, yeah, I do... It is a is a huge commitment. And then on top of that, like, you don't get sponsored when you're young. Do you? you have to pay for a lot of your kit and stuff. And then if there's families that are, I don't know, bigger, bigger and... Um, A lot more siblings and stuff it's quite it is like an expensive sport isn't it and gotta pay like enough time to all of the kids and stuff so I don't know it is like on my part I've been lucky that my family have been very supportive of me all the way through and they're just happy to
1: see where I am now. Did you feel the the moment when you were like given your first cap did you realize or did you have like a special feeling about being the first Welsh Asian cricketer?
2: (laughs) I can't lie I didn't even know about it to be (laughs) honest Um, (laughs) I had no idea Um, so I just like when I played that game in St Helens I just try to go about my game just how I do normally I wasn't really thinking of it Um, and then I got told a couple of days after and I didn't didn't really think like much of it because it I don't know. I was a bit shocked, like, but then after reflecting on it and thinking back, it's like it's actually quite a big, big deal for me now. And yeah, looking back at it, I'm really proud to be the
1: first Welsh-born Asian player to play for Morgan. Do you do you feel a like a do you sort of see yourself as perhaps being like a role model to like young Welsh-born Asian kids?
2: Um, massively. Like, I think. It's quite good for um, for the kids coming up now, to like especially when I'm coaching and stuff at Cardiff. Like, It's quite good for the kids to see, like, someone similar to them has done it, kind of. But, uh, don't get me wrong, I've, I've only played a handful of games and stuff, but it's still nice to kind of have that experience and be given that opportunity. And it goes to show that, like, anyone can do it as well. And I'm always really encouraging of, like, youngsters coming through like just keep going with it especially ones from like the Asian community and stuff but you just good opportunities around so hopefully they do kind of look up to me they see that I've done it so there's nothing stopping them
1: do you think there is a um, like a widespread desire for like young Welsh Asian cricketers to play professional cricket
2: yeah massively
1: like you know how it is like in most Asian
2: communities and stuff like crickets like all or all. really like mate when I went out to India and stuff it's so different like there's a few people that work on the farm out there and stuff and last time I went out there I was 11 and when they were having breaks from like work and stuff mate they were just making me look silly <laughs> and they're just they're just like workers they don't even play at a club or anything like so it is massive in the Asian community it's just I hope that more people can come through and get as good opportunities as I did and be given a chance to
1: express themselves on the field. What What do you think can be done to give more opportunities to Welsh-born Asians? Because considering how big the community is, in, especially in Cardiff, uh, there aren't a huge number representing Glamorgan even at the second team level.
2: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Like... There's quite a few like schemes and stuff. Um, I think there's a couple through like the Lord's Taverners and stuff. But I think it's just like sort of branching out to the areas, like going to schools and stuff, starting it from just starting the kids off from young, like if you get that interest in them and you see a bit of talent from young, that's the best place to pick it up. Do you know what I mean? So I think a lot of it can be started from um just going to like local primary schools and stuff like around, around like, the Grangetown area, Riverside, Butte Town, stuff like that, like where there's places where the, um, there's like a high Asian community. Um, just try and get them inv- as involved as you can. And some kids may be like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't even like cricket. But then some kids may be like, oh, I really enjoy this, oh, I'm actually quite good at this. And that's where then they go home to their parents and they're like, oh, can I join a cricket club outside the cricket uh, outside the school sort of thing? And it all just kind of starts from there, I think. Like that would probably be, I don't know, that's where I would say because we played, we played a bit of cricket at Ninian Park, my primary school. We used to join in in the um, quick cricket competitions and stuff like that, like the plastic bat and the ball and stuff. It was always just good fun, and that's how you get like a, a knack for it and a feel for the game. Um, so yeah, that would probably be where uh, I say you start off
1: and that's a good place to start I think do you see yourself having a role in encouraging the young creators as I thinking, uh, in school especially yeah definitely like I was um, I was
2: speaking to the Lord tabernacle thing um, before all this coronavirus stuff happened and I was going to look to try and get to like um, youth clubs and stuff like that and primary schools and just try and help out with the kids and stuff like even if it, they just see like like me and like my kit and stuff. And they see me labeled as a professional. It's quite, quite, quite nice for them. Like I know if I was a youngster, I'd love it. If someone came into school and was like, you can do it as well. Sort of thing. So I'm like, all trying to help out as well. So just waiting to see now after all this passes, hopefully we can
1: get some, get some good stuff going. That sounds great. So finally, uh, what, how do you see, uh, Welsh Asian cricket in the elite environment at the moment how do you see it at the moment and what would you think is the um, is going to happen in the future
2: well it's obviously
1: like a good start and stuff
2: now but hopefully just getting more and more boys involved like from a young age like just finding that sort of initial interest and that talent from young and then you can sort of guide the players through so there's quite a few of youngsters like coming through like the clubs and stuff now, just giving them all the support they can, like they could do with and stuff. And then just exposing them to sort of like Cardiff and the Vale was the regional team I played for. And then just see if they progress on to like Wales and stuff. Um, And yeah, that's just, I think that's just a starting point, but there's no reason why there can't be many more Welsh born Asian players. Like there's plenty, there's plenty to choose from sort of thing, especially, um, from a young age, it's just finding that, like finding the talent and then guiding them through, sort of thing.
1: Oh, that's a very nice sentiment to end on. Prem, thank you very much for your time and uh, good yeah. luck the season if, well, if and when you get it. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
3: <laughs> okay, that was Prem Sasodia talking to uh, Jan Gray about his uh, experiences of becoming the first uh, Welsh born Asian cricketer. For Glamorgan. We have Jan with us to talk a little bit about that. But I thought, Jan, one of the strong things that came out of Prem's interview was this idea of him being a role model for others. And uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit now about three of the most prominent Asian cricketers uh, to play for Glamorgan over the last uh, 40 or 50 years.
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah, talking about Javi is probably a uh... A good place to start because I think Javed is probably one of the better examples for that because he is considered as uh, Pakistan's greatest ever batsman by many people, and you know he had an amazing career with Glamorgan uh, in 1981. He was the wisdom Cricketer of the Year because of his performances, averaging almost 70 with the bat in the uh, county championship. So um, yeah, I thought Javed was a very good place to um, talk
3: about role models. It's interesting that you should talk about Javed, the parallels that I can already see with Majid Khan. He was the Wisdom Cricketer of the Year in 1969, which was the year that Glamorgan won the county championship. And undoubtedly, he made a major impact on the team with his performances. Can you say a little bit more about that 1981 season? Were there particular performances that stood out? By all accounts, had quite a tricky start to the season on some difficult pitches at Cardiff.
1: But then uh, after his first hundred at Leicester in the Sunday league game, he then uh, 10 days later scored a hundred in each innings against Somerset at Swansea. And then in the return fixture at Taunton, he scored a double hundred on the same day as the Royal wedding. But perhaps the uh, greatest innings of that year was at Colchester when chasing 325 to win on a deteriorating and dusty pitch, uh, Glamorgan were four for 44, and everyone thought that the game was going to end early. But Javid scored 200, and in the end Glamorgan only lost by 13 runs. And the Essex players were said that it was the greatest batting they'd ever seen.
3: Yeah, it's, the, the parallels with Majid are very, very interesting. Peter Walker and Tony Lewis, who were both prominent members of the Glamorgan side in 1969, both journalists, both wrote about Majid afterwards uh, as being a sort of a virtuoso player You know, and the kind of words that were used to describe him were elegant and graceful, fluent, flair, radiance, and and perhaps all of that was kind of encapsulated in the word genius. And I think sometimes players come along and other players look at them and they recognise that they are a step above even where they as professional cricketers are.
1: I think think it's interesting because you talk about genius and you talk about Uh, Majid being, you know, virtuoso type player, elegant. And I think um, Javid was almost maybe a different generation of Pakistani cricketer. And he was admired by... Ian Chappell said he's one of the greatest batsmen he'd ever played against. Javid was a very aggressive and um, confrontational player. Perhaps also why the Australians admired him. He was a very, very tough man. Had many fallings out in the um, Pakistan setup. And I think that um, he played his game in a... He wasn't so much an elegant batsman as a a gritty and uh, you know brilliant, but gritty and confrontational.
3: Yeah, Majid is a contrast. I think he's much more much more artistic and fluent, um, but I think probably shared with Javed the ability to score incredibly quickly. He came to Glamorgan's notice when he starred for the Pakistan touring side in 1967 at Swansea where I think he scored 147 before lunch. He hit Roger Davis, the Glamorgan spinner, for five sixes in one over. So the, the the phenomenal ability to score quickly, although I think without any sort of punchiness and power, but with just elegance and grace, that was certainly uh, uh, magic Khan's uh, skill.
1: And I think you another similarity you can draw out of that is that they scored not only quickly, but against... Fantastically important situations and also against the best teams of the time. Javid scored a hundred, uh, he shared a partnership, unbeaten partnership with Eunice Ahmed in 1985 of 306 against the touring Australian side. And, you know, Majid, you said, scored against the West Indies. So it wasn't just getting cheap runs, it was getting huge proportions of runs out of small scores and scoring against the best bowling attacks of the time.
3: Yeah, and I. And the period leading up to, to Magic Khan coming to uh, uh, Wales was a period of uh, new and relatively high immigration into the United Kingdom. Um, Javid arrives what maybe 10-12 years later, uh, when perhaps that first wave and generation of, of immigrants are beginning to settle and build their families. I know you've done a, found out a little bit about kind of period and possibly the, the influence that figures like Javid and Majid must have had for the newly uh, arriving uh, immigrants?
1: Yeah so the, uh, the major Pakistani immigration was in the 50s and 60s and it was often single men and in Wales at that time and specifically the big Pakistan, British Pakistani communities in Cardiff and Newport there wouldn't have been many public figures with the same standing as people like Majid and Javid And so I think that you know having such prominent members of the community in the public eye must have been incredibly inspiring for people you know trying to find their way in a new country and when Usman Khawaja came to um, Glamorgan in 2018 he actually said that um, to his father Javed was the greatest batsman so you can and you had a great figure of Pakistani history so you can imagine that you know, people living in his proximity in Wales must have felt a sort of quite a strong connection, must have lived through uh, Majid, Javid, people like that, through their successes. You know, must have taken a great deal of pride from it.
3: OK, I know, Alan, you're going to tell us a little bit about uh, Waka Eunice and perhaps some of the more difficult and unusual dimensions of having a, a world class overseas player.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned there, Stephen, obviously Wacker was a a world-class player coming to Glamorgan in 97. He had that superstar status, if you like, and that was kind of underpinned, I guess, when he arrived at Glamorgan, when the term Wacker as a Welshman was coined. So I guess that was a sign of acceptance as well from the Glamorgan fans that they had a kind of a superstar world hero uh, in their hands.
3: And he he, um, he talked about uh, playing for Glamorgan uh, as playing for another country?
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, We often hear that from Glamorgan players, Welsh players then. It often feels that, like they represent representing Wales when they play for Glamorgan. Wacker says he felt that at once, and obviously he'd been unsettled at Surrey and not necessarily feeling that he'd fitted in, but he, he felt at home straight away in Glamorgan, which obviously he hit the ground running then when he first started playing for Glamorgan. and I guess that welcome that he had and the, the feeling of comfort that he had in Wales, in Glamorgan, in Cardiff, really helped that performance in the early days. Did he get treated
3: differently to uh, any of the other Glamorgan players?
0: Interestingly, yes. Duncan Fletcher in Daffodil Days, the book by Graham Lloyd looking at the 97 campaign, actually admits that the fact that he had a superstar on his hands meant that he, he really needed to treat him differently. There's, there's quite a few anecdotes about Wacker turning up to training late, for example, and maybe Duncan Fletcher turned a blind eye now and again to maybe turning up late to training or maybe not necessarily performing best you could in training because basically you knew that come the match day then he would obviously be at his best and he knew when to turn it on.
3: And can you give us a sense or or give us some details of of some of those performances that Waka put in in that 1997 Championship winning season?
0: Yeah, certainly. As an overview, he took 68 wickets at 22.81, which I guess is prolific by anybody's standards. He took three, five wicket hauls and 10 wickets in a match once. And then basically, I I think you can condense his performances for Glamorgan into one particular period of 10 days where it was a quiet start early season. And then he took seven for 25 from seven overs against Lancashire at Egberth. And that was followed then by eight for 17 against Sussex at St. Helens. And that really kind of underlined what a strong performer he was for Glamorgan. And that spurred them on then to obviously the second half of the season, which went from strength to strength and and took them on then to a position where they had that penultimate match at, at Essex.
3: I know with uh, Javed and Majid, we, we noted how their performances were at just the right time and against perhaps some of the most important opposition. Is that true of Waka as well?
0: Yeah, it certainly was. Basically, Matthew Maynard always spoke about him being able to take vital wickets, even if he didn't take many in innings, and that was certainly the case late season. He took a vital wicket in the penultimate match against Essex, the wicket of Ronnie Arani, and that set up the victory then, which led to a title decider at Taunton. And obviously we know then that Wacker was actually quite ill before that match at Taunton. It was touch and go whether he'd be able to make it for the game. He'd actually pulled out of the Pakistan match. Uh, they were due to go to Sahara Cup in Canada. And Majid had actually asked him to go to that tournament. He'd, he'd turned that down in order to play for Glamorgan, almost missed out on the championship decider. And history could have been very different. Ah!
3: Hello, and uh, welcome to the uh, first ever little segue of um, My Club, Our Story. Uh, we've got with us three of the successful Gowerton Cricket Club team who won the Village Cup at Lords in 1975 Mike Rowlands, John Richards, and John Morris. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Um, Thank you, okay. Steve. Uh, I have in front of me on my phone a little photograph which was taken uh, on that day in Lords in 1975. And it looks like you're all on the back row, but perhaps if one by one you could uh, introduce yourselves and say um, what you did for the team, what was your position, uh, whether you were batter or bowler or whatever. So uh, John Richards,
4: would you like to go first for us? Yeah, OK. Um, I'm in the back row. I, if you look from the left, I'm, I'm the third of the three Johns. You've got John Cox then you've got John Morris, and then you've got myself. Um, my role in the team, I was a middle-order batsman. Um, did o- I did open the bowling in the, in the 73 competition. Uh, I bowled a little bit in 75, but uh, not towards the latter rounds. Okay. So basically my job was to, uh, to get in, close your eyes, and slog it as far as you can, as quick as you can.
3: Okay. Mike, what about you?
5: Well, I'm in the back row. I can't see the photograph on my computer, but I'm probably the shortest guy there, I would think, in the back row. But um, no, I was also a middle order batsman. A little bit surprised to hear John say that he hadn't made a contribution today. Because, in all fairness, if it wasn't for John, I don't think we'd have got to the final in his uh, efforts at uh, Nasagarun. It was absolutely tremendous when he bowled the last over. And that was vital in us getting to. Uh, too lords to be quite truthful, but as I say, I was also a mid-lord the batsman and I was uh, batting the, the the number after after John.
3: Okay, and uh, the other John, the second John? Yeah, well, like the
6: other two boys, I was a mid-lord batsman as well. I think in 73 I batted number six, I think it was. Um, that day We was sick, I was 16 not out and we ran out of time. Um, I bowled in the first game. Uh, I think they had won one wicket for about 23, 24, six overs. Uh, in the second game in 75, um, I was a middle order batsman, as I was saying, but an, an, an all rounder, but didn't bat. So I was number seven cause we'd won convincingly. We won by uh, six wickets. And uh, the game, you know, petered out. And we won the game quite easily, as say in saying, that probably the 29th, 30th over. And um, I didn't bowl that day we had a fair few extra bowlers in that day, and like, so perhaps the all rounder category didn't do what was required on the day.
3: So we've got the engine room of the team with us tonight. Yeah. Um, perhaps if we go around again, uh, memories of the day, something that, uh, that has stayed with you since. John? Um, memories of the day. Perhaps the,
4: if we start the day before, um, we, we travelled up to uh, London on the Friday and we, we stopped in the services in Lee Delamere. Um, went in, grabbed, had a cup of coffee, uh, sandwich, uh, back on the bus. You know, we got half an hour to get back on the bus, got back on the bus, um, took off up the M4 again, realised that I'd actually lost my wallet with all my money in it. So it, that was a great start of the weekend. That didn't all go particularly well um memories of the day i mean it's forty five years ago it's a hell of a long time ago um what do I remember the renter crowd the uh, the Gout and rugby boys the support that they gave us on the day the size of the changing room the, with the with the changing room attendant unknown
3: mike what about you
5: well on the the night before what was a bit of a surprise perhaps to me was the fact that uh Alvin Darriel, who at the time was a secretary of the club, and uh, he instructed us all to, to go to bed early. So at 10 o'clock, he came around knocking the door to make sure that we were in bed. But all <laughs> the wives and girlfriends had gone out for a, a night out where Stanley Walters, who uh, had played for Gown for many, many years, that's Gwyn Walters, his father, had taken quite a crowd with him to the Latin Quarter. And when we, when we <laughs> picked up for breakfast in the morning, That is when they were all coming back in. But uh, on the day, I must be honest, it was a tremendous day where we had great support. A lot of people from Gowton had gone up there. And I must also add that we'd always had great support from Penclouth because we had quite a number of Penclouth boys who have played for us over the years. And Tyvion Davis, who were taking quite a number of wickets. Tyvion, uh, on the day, had a great day. So Penclouth was up in numbers. And to cap it all... I was put to understand that the Pentlouth boys had drunk the bar dry, so they'd all had an excellent day.
6: <laughs> John, what about you? Well, perhaps if I can combine the boys, it's all right with you, but if you combine 73 and 75. One, of course. In 73, one of the, probably one of the best stories, there was a, a minibus full of, of boys from Gowerton and they gone to the lead LMA, I think it was, and they, they, the actual bus had broken down. So there was a, a meat wagon uh, just in the services as well. He could obviously could see their plight now. And he said, You go to the match points? Well, as far as our boys are concerned, there was only one match, and that was going against Troon, All right? But anyway, the driver in his, in, in his mind, he said, oh, jump in the back then, and I was seeing a meat wagon, there was no windows. And he traveled up now, well, say, for an hour and a half, and he just tapped the back of the window of uh, the, the truck. He said, "Okay, boys, you're here now. Can you uh, just open the door?" He said, "And then jump out." And well, he threw they said, hey, thank yous and all that." And they <laughs> and they got, got up, looked up. i looked up, and you could see the score was 220 for one. So Christ, I he was batting. Anyway, they would, <laughs> the driver had dropped now the Oval where England were playing the West Indies on the same day. <laughs> And, 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 obviously, they had a quick taxi then to go to it Lord. But, our much, I didn't start it. But, they dropped the horse out of the Oval. And, that, that, was, that story has been going around for the last 45, 47 years. It's, um, you know, it's one of the most You mentioned
3: story. that the, the, the game was, you won the, the game in 75 relatively easily. Um, was, was part of the reason for that you, a level of confidence you had as a side coming back for the second time? What were the what were the major kind of things that happened on the day that, that won you the match?
6: Yeah, I I, I think so. But, you know, when we played in '73, um, the eleven that played when we played in '75. There was a, it was seven of that side that played there in '73, and I think that was an advantage for us, that we had we you know been there before, and uh, it was yeah it was it was it was an advantage for us. Uh, unfortunately, Mike didn't play in 73. Perhaps, perhaps you can say, Mike, that uh, what you you could see being there the first time. What sort of feelings were going through your mind then, as far as Mike? Yeah, well, as far as I was concerned, John, as you know, I didn't play in 73 because of the fact that I was playing so much
5: midweek cricket, playing on a Saturday, and I had a, a young yeah. family, so I had to give them a day out, obviously, which I chose as being the Sunday, so I didn't play that season. I said that. To go to watch that final, it was heartbreaking to see us losing on the day. And when we ended in 75, that gave that extra incentive in a sense to say, well, let's do what we can do today and win this game. Because it was such a great disappointment for you boys who played in 73. And that did make a big difference, I think, to give you the motivation that was required to win the game on the day.
3: (coughs) And the opposition presumably went in first. Is that right, John? Um, John Richards?
4: Yeah, we, um, we we lost the toss, um, which was a little bit disappointing for us because uh, we normally like to bat first, get the runs on the board, um, create scoreboard pressure. Um, wasn't a particular problem for us, really, because that year um, I, we, we played eight games to get to the final and we'd actually won four of them batting in first and we'd won four of them batting in second. So although it was a little bit of a disappointment um, in as much as as it turned out, it it gave less of our batsmen an opportunity to bat. Um, I think it'd be fair to say that our experience in 73 of actually being at Lords made a massive difference. Um, When we played in 73, we played true, as as John Morris had just said, and when we turned up to the ground, um, they had been the previous year's winners, and they exuded this air of calm, quiet confidence. Um, The 75, we were in exactly the same position. And again, as John said, four of the boys uh, who came into that 75 side, you know, let's be fair, they weren't novices. You, you had Mike Mike Rowlands, Wayne Harris, uh, Tybion Davis, and Graham Young. Four very, very experienced cricketers on yeah. top of the experience that we had having played there in 73. Um, so... Was it an advantage? Absolutely, without any shadow of doubt.
3: And did you? Was there a feeling amongst the team, both on both occasions, that you were somehow representing Wales when you went up?
4: Do you want me to do that? Yeah, yeah. you
3: start, John, and we'll go yeah. around again.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a, certainly um, an element of that, um, but but I, I think really. You know, we we were proud in, in representing Gowden Cricket Club and the community of Gowden. Um that was like a massive, uh, a massive step for us as a club. Um so yes, definitely an element. We're the only club left in the competition. We're playing against an English club. There's always going to be that element of Wales against England. But primarily, as far as I was concerned, it was Gowden against the rest of the world.
3: Mike?
5: Well, I don't know where I felt I was playing sort of for Wales, but I must confess, I felt that we were representing the whole of the South Wales League, because there were some very, very good sides in the South Wales League at that point in time, and I felt that you were there representing the whole of the league, in a sense, and that, to me, was the, the vital aspect, to come away from there and think, well, at least we did stand up for our own South Wales League. As far as... Yes, we did. England as the English side was concerned, that was a bonus. But I think it was so important that we, uh, that we did represent ourselves, but also represent the league the best we could. And as I say, fortunately enough, uh, we were lucky to win it. John?
6: Uh, like Mike had just said, uh, now as far as we were, I, I felt that we, okay, there was an element of we were representing Wales. But primarily, I think we were representing the South Wales Trick Association, which is actually known as SWACA. Um, and, you know, as Mike was saying, there's so many good sides in and around. It takes them to win. The biggest, hardest part, for you in getting to progress in the tournament was to beat the, boy, the, the teams, like your Davians you know, and the Nisagueros, you know, of this world. And, they, they, you know, we, we had to do well to beat them. But uh, what's uh, what hit home to me really? Uh, if I go through '73, um, um, when we were we were in the away dressing room the first year, and the second year, '75, we were in the in the, the, the home dressing room. But in '75, well, I was a very really good friend of mine, an icon of Mr. Robert Evans, was uh, on the balcony, and we could the crowd was starting to come into the ground, and we were probably there now, I'd say, about twelve o'clock, and I Started at one or two, or even two o'clock, but we heard noise, a noise, and a ringing. I thought it was that, and we thought anyway, it was the, the supporters coming off of St John's Wood station, and the, the crowd and the bells are ringing, and they were coming closer and closer and closer. That's when my ears in the back of my head was just stood up on end. I did, just just oh, support just, and you just couldn't take it anymore. It was so emotional. And then you know, and the, in the crowd itself, but um, the, the flags and the daffodils, Welsh flags and the daffodils. So that's the part I would say that we thought okay, there was a Welsh, obviously a Welsh connection there. But in my heart, I probably we were so supportive, that we were playing for the, the South Wales area, which, as Mike was saying, it's a, a bed of, of 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 good cricket, you know.
3: Okay, final question to you all. Was that day or those days your best cricketing memory or just one amongst many? Uh,
4: it, <clears throat> yes, it's certainly, it's certainly up there. Um, probably top of the list. Um, I mean, it, the day itself for me was uh, mixed, shall we say. Um, the personal highlight for me was probably the fielding, which was a bit disappointing. Um, I managed to actually uh, run out one of the batters with a direct hit on the stumps. Um, and, and that was sort of typical of the before Iceland's performance on the day because it, three of their batters were run out, including two of the opening batsmen. So it, it was like a, um, it, it seemed like an attack of nerves on their part. Um, batting wise, n- not so good. Um, I was batting uh, five. Um, I think we we set our first three overs. I think we got to twenty four for one off three overs. Uh, we lost Wayne Harris. We then got up to sort of 31-32 where we lost the second wicket. And basically that was the last meaningful wicket that Islam took. Uh, it wasn't until Robert Evans got out uh, trying to hit. We needed six to win. He tried to win it in the Grand manner He actually, he got caught. Uh, in fact, he tried it a couple of balls before. Um, and I could see the ball going out to the field at a long on. I made my way off the balcony because I was in next. I got as far as the changing room and they shouted, Richie, Richie, you've got to come back. He's dropped it. So I'm back. I'm back in the balcony. I'm off on my way two wars later. Uh, so I say, we win. I go in. We need six to win. Uh, I Manchester Manchester with Eddie Bevan until we get the scores level. And then I have a brainstorm. I chip it back to the bowler. I'm out for naught. Now, the ironic thing is, when we got off the bus at Lords. The very last thing I said when I got off the bus was having suffered a disappointment of losing in 73. I said, I, I don't care if I'm out for naught as long as we win,
6: <laughs>
4: which, just, which, which just proves the point that you have got to be careful what you wish for have not you really? Um, so I I did, I did in some ways turn that negative of being out for naught into a positive because when Bev hit the winning boundary, uh, one of my teaching colleagues actually ran onto the field and collected the ball. He came over to the, the, the presentation part. He showed me the ball. He was quite proud. I asked him, if, you know, any chance of me having it? No, no, no. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Well, five minutes later, he had second thoughts because he didn't really be traipsing around the pubs in London on a Saturday night carrying a cricket ball. So he very kindly let me have the ball and I've still got
6: that in my drawer upstairs today. Yeah, it's probably got to be up there, really. But yeah, but during that period, it was, uh, it was, we were, we won the gandan Dan Radcliffe um, in '76 and '82, um, and they've got to be up there as well. But I, I, I it's, they, it's they, are not far far behind. But obviously, I think obviously the lowest trip on the two occasions, '73 and '75, it's got to be the top of the top of the tree, really. Uh, because it was so I mean the village in Gowden are still talking about it we, we have, we're we having this interview today um, and that's 45 or 47 years for the first time yeah. and uh, people still talk about it you know and these people are getting older and older now but uh, uh, one thing I would like to say before you actually finish is obviously that when we played in 75 uh, four, unfortunately four boys have actually passed away and uh, they would be Ro- Robert Evans, Wayne Harris, Tybion uh, Davis, and uh, Bill Thomas. As uh, far as I can see, they're all icons of of cricket, and uh, they'll long be remembered. And I just just uh, want to pay my regards, respects to them uh, in this you know this this opportunity I got here now.
3: Of course,
5: <laughs> Mike. Final words. Well, I must say that on the day I must and I didn't say to you earlier on, but I was batting. As John was come out, I was going in. And there was a tremendous roar in the crowd. And I thought, oh, what a welcome. <laughs> My sister had kept her camera back to take a photograph. Anyway, after the game, she said to me, I'm sorry, I didn't take a photo for you going to bat. I said, why is that? Well, didn't you hear the row? Yes. Well, it was a streaker running behind you. So she had taken the photograph of the streaker instead. <laughs> 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 but that would be a myth to stick. But I must go, yes, it was one of the, the better days I've enjoyed. But the following year, to be fair, was also an excellent time for Gowan Cricket Club when we actually did the, the double and winning we won the Dan Radcliffe Cup and we also won the Stewart-Sunwich Cup. So, 75, 76 were two exceptionally good years for us. That was really enjoyable.
4: Can I just add one thing? That Of course. Um, in, in, so, in, in some ways... Um, the, the that that day that we won in seventy five was was a little bit bittersweet because although we won the village trophy, on the same day, Gosainen beat Davin, yes. which pipped us for the first division title.
6: That's right.
4: So so we could actually have won the title in seventy five
6: and seventy six. Uh, so far, for about half an hour, three quarters an hour, we thought we'd, we'd, we'd won the championship as well. Yeah. Uh, they, said, oh, they they were, were playing down in Davin and um, it, we had learned that it was rained off. Uh, and of didn't have enough points to pass us. Um, so <laughs> anyway, they went, on, they went back out to play, allegedly in the rain, and uh, they went on to win, and they put us by about two or three points for the championship. So that was, <laughs> you know, a bit of a disappointment after, but we put things right the following year, as Mike said, when we won the championship, actually won the double. Uh, like we, I like to think that I'm proud, really, that that during that era in the '70s, I mean, the three of us and the rest of the team, obviously, were lucky. You know, we were in that side, and it is a very, very strong side in all disciplines of the, of, the, of, the, of the of the game: uh, bowling, batting, and fielding. Which is a, is a big part of any success in any side.
5: Well, I think as John said, a little bit what he actually said also is about the fact that uh, all for all the boys that uh, we have lost, the four boys, it is uh, very sad that they're not here to speak to us today because I suppose when you talk about Robert and Wayne, they were, in, in comparison, they were, and they were quite young men. Bill was a little bit older, but having said that, they were young men and it's sad to think that they are not with us today. But... Uh, as I say, I only hope that uh, that they would, if they were here today with us, they would also be as proud as we are to have played in that in that side.
4: Gowden sort of had a golden period, uh, late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties. Um, it'd be nice to think that perhaps in years to come, that the team of the mid to late seventies, early eighties. Might be considered as perhaps a, a golden era number two for Gowden. and to be a, a part of that, um, and and to play with the boys in in the team that I did, I played with a lot of very good players. Uh, that makes me um, very proud indeed.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> Many thanks to Mike Rowlands, John Richards and John Morris of Gowerton Cricket Club. They're talking about their experiences at Lords in 1975. If you or your club has a story that they want to tell, perhaps you can be part of our feature, My Club, Our Story, as well. Just contact us at mwcpod1921 at gmail.com. Thanks to all our latest followers on Twitter this week, Simon Murray, Kevin McGrath, Graham Lloyd, the Cricket Guy on Twitter, Les Randall, My State Cricket Club and Vox Cricket, the free cricket magazine. Thanks to all those that are befriending us on Facebook, including Pembroke Dock and Curselli Cricket Clubs. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod, on Facebook at the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket. And once again, that email address, Pod 1921 at gmail.com. Join us next week when we'll be talking all things disability cricket. It's history, it's present day and it's future in Wales. Bye for now.